this episode of TAC TikTok. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Bush. Join me and Jacqueline Tuzard, my sister and co-host, publisher of the American Chiropractor Magazine, as we interview Dr. Weston Bussler, product manager and nutrition scientist at Standard Process, in which he goes into some of the details associated with how those supplements that you enjoy for yourself and your patients come to be as they explore new opportunities that science has brought forth in seed selection for enhancing nutritional profile. Standard Process raises the bar with Nutrition Innovation Center scientific investigation is one that appeared in the American Chiropractor, which we go even more in depth. Listen on as we join this in progress. So my name is Joe Bush. I'm the editor of the American Chiropractor Magazine. Of course, we carried your interview recently uh, about how Standard Process is raising the bar with the Nutrition Innovation Center, the NIC there in uh, North Carolina. This is Jacqueline Tussard. She's my sister as well as the long, <laughs> long time publisher of the American Chiropractor Magazine. So um, we were just really excited to get the chance to really um, carry your interview in the in the pages, right? And we're we're working to have a closer uh, relationship with our readers as well as our authors because uh, you know there's a whole other level that we can go with these short questions that we're asking. And so, considering the huge push the standard process has put into really identifying uh, the science behind why their supplements have been so effective historically, with their rich history about the whole foods supplements and uh, natural products. Um, your role there seems to be exactly that, you know, identifying those things. Can you tell a bit about your background, Weston? Yeah, sure. So my background, um, I got my PhD at North Carolina State University, and my research consisted of trying – the essential question was could we map health-based effects onto plant genomes and then in the future be able to choose plants that are driving health effects – in the ways that we've historically chosen plants for things like yield, pest resistance, disease resistance, uh, all these sorts of things. And uh, that uh, research uh, finished up, um, basically, when I finished up my PhD, it was right the um, the same year that they opened the uh, uh, Standard Process Nutrition Innovation Center on the North Carolina Research Campus. So as I was finishing up, I was able to kind of bring some of those ideas to Standard Process as they were opening that facility. And uh, it meshed with a lot of what they'd already been doing and some of the ideas that they had for going forward from, uh, from just looking at how we can continue to use things like plants and whole foods and drive a lot of the beneficial nutritional effects. And I think that uh, so my, my degree is in nutrition science, but it has this emphasis in agriculture as well as food science, which really nicely works with the, the whole um, philosophy that standard process has. So all of those things kind of work together. And then I found this niche here working in the uh, product development team uh, where we do a lot of the new product development and also look at old products and ways that we can support and further advance our products going forward. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So obviously the yield side of the, uh, the, of the uh, different products that you're growing is important that they're, you know, resistant to pests rather than using any yep. kinds of, uh, you know, external yeah. products. 
Yeah. If you talk to any, any farmer, that's going to be just one of their, that's, it, it's one of the primary concerns. It's, it's really challenging to work with crops that, that don't yield well from, for a number of reasons. Um, not only one of them being just, uh, you, you don't want to have to use too much land to grow things, but on top of that, it can be really challenging, especially in organic production styles, when you have something that doesn't quite have the vigor of certain other crops, because you're, you're dealing with a lot of these challenges on the the growth end with with the different naturally occurring weeds that are out there so when you're Mm -hmm. trying to when you're trying to have those having a variety that does work in that organic uh production system where we're we're very limited in what uh type of applications we can apply like that that does wind up creating an additional challenge so so you have to take yield into consideration we can't we can't just get rid of it. And so one of the things with a lot of these, these techniques and things that we're, that we're imploring is we can make sure that while we consider yield and yield is an important factor, we're also at the same time that we're looking at that, making sure that we're bringing along some of these additional components when we make our plant selections. Since historically, we just didn't exactly know how to do that. We didn't have advanced nutritional analysis techniques when a lot of these decisions were being made in the early 1900s. Um, And inadvertently, it led to a lot of this genome degradation and potential inadvertent loss of certain things. That's interesting. Now, I'm I'm a chiropractor, uh, Dr. Bussler. Now, my sister, Jacqueline, she's more on the consumer side. So she loves, you know, I'm the whole publisher, food supplements. I'm a publisher, but I'm an avid, avid fan of all that is nutritional supplementation, health mm-hmm. food, and natural health. So I love to hear what you're saying. Uh, you talk about the degradation of the genome and these plants. You know, this is, that's a mouthful. <laughs> that's a huge mouthful there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, I, I think oftentimes it gets characterized as if this was a purposeful thing. It was, we were trying to make these plants yield in a way that we can assure a global food supply like that. That is important. That, that wasn't a very key factor in humans moving to where we're at now. Um, But now we're just trying to take some of these advances we've made and figure out if you reboot them or you take a couple steps back in order to go a few steps forward, going, going there and looking at, nature really is, has done a lot of this, this plant breeding work for us and mm-hmm. figuring out how for, for us and what, what we'd like to do is I, I'll, what we'll try to do is look at our specific crops that we see some advantage and uh, some of these ones aren't necessarily grown quite often. And what we'll do is then we'll check and see within these global banks of seed supplies and seed stores, that those house all of the diversity of these plants. So you have these different varieties and these are held in these, uh, in these, uh, these seed banks. And you can, you can get your hands on a, on some of them, very small amounts, and then you can grow them in your environments and look and see all the wide diversity that you have in certain species. And one of the ones we've really focused on is buckwheat. That's a huge, important plant to standard process for a number of our products and Mm -hmm. figure out all the natural diversity that exists in buckwheat, something that there hasn't been resources tied to the way that you've seen in corn and soy and rice. Uh, and, And just look at the ways that we can take some of these unique aspects that can do things like find a variety that has very high levels of rootin in it 
or a variety that pairs that high level of rutin with a high level of mineral uptake. So you get a lot of magnesium, but then you'll also um, need to make sure, like we were talking about, that these things yield. And a lot of these varieties, they might be perfect from a nutritional standpoint, but they just they they can't grow at scale. There there's there's no possible way that they'll grow at scale. So just trying to pair those things together. So talk about about that a bit, Dr. Bussler. Is this um, now we all know, of course, most of our listeners are going to know that Dr. Royal Lee was the real founder of, of Standard Process all the way back a hundred years ago. So you're going all the way back to that point in mm-hmm. time, right? And recreating these under uh, different conditions with different strains, so they're more even more robust nutrient profile. It sounds like so. Um, has that changed some of the formulations though then, or is it just mostly a, a specific strain so, modification? So standard process has done a, a great job of, um, as essentially doing a lot of this work for the entire time. Um, so just making sure from a varietal selection, we are picking things from a plant perspective since we've had the farm that have been able to meet a lot of those key nutritional needs that we have. And, uh, there was a lot of very intriguing and out of the out of the box thinking that uh, Dr. Lee did as far as the different formulations and the way that he put things together. It's there's a wealth of knowledge that that we have in all of those different archives that that he produced while he was while he was at Standard Process. I mean, there's so so much depth of the work that he did, and he was very prolific in all that and all of the research that he was putting forth. And it's it's really amazing when you look at some of these varieties so many many of the the plant varieties of these things like buckwheat and stuff those those were produced via nature so they've been around for um they've been around for a very very long time and it's hard to say exactly when a lot of them showed up but what you what you'll get is when researchers are out there collecting, trying to find these unique varieties, they'll go and they'll be out in the wild and find some that are unique, grab some of those seeds, go back to the database. Other ones have been produced in a breeding program, and then those ones will be submitted to that, that, that group. So what you have in buckwheat is a plant that was, a plant that was primarily brought to the United States uh, from other parts of the world. You have a lot of these uh, varieties from, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the Himalayan regions of the world. You have, you have very unique buckwheat varieties there. A lot of the, the same varieties that you would have seen, um, I guess in the, right around the, the 1930s and 1950s, most of those hadn't, uh, approached that extreme levels of breeding and, and buckwheat really never got the resources towards breeding that another crop, that really took off in the United States would have had. So you don't have some of these same things, but a good example of one that maybe did have those resources is something like oats. So the modern oat is a very unique plant. And I, I mean, now I'm sorry, I, I'm worried because I'm starting to get too, too far into the weeds here, but um, the modern oat is, is an incredibly complex genome. It's actually three different ancestral genomes make up the modern oat in that single organism. You have those three genomes uh, or the three sets of chromosomes that uh, ultimately broke apart and reassembled at different parts of those chromosomes. So it might be a top half of one of them and a bottom half of another. Some of them completely fell out of this genome over time. And in the end, what you have is a size of genome that um, they measure it in what, what are called gigabases. 
So the human genome for perspective is about three gigabases and the oat genome is 12, 13 gigabases. So it's just, it's just massive. And at some point from about in the, at some point in about the, um, the early mid 1900s, somebody figured out how to turn on a gene in the oat that created this high amount of carbohydrate storage. So you just have a bigger, bigger, more palatable crop that starts yielding better and better and better. But since it's such a complex and complicated genome, trying to do things like taking that uh, and then having more of those nutritional profiles of some of those early varieties that have a lot more of these phytonutrients or they're smaller, so they just have more surface area to them. And that more surface area leads to more of the outside regions that contain a lot of these beneficial vitamins and nutrients. Um, those, they just sort of fell out of favor for these modern oat varieties. And trying to put back those things, because oat's so complicated and complex, you have a lot of challenges from a, from a plant production standpoint. So the producers of those seeds will really struggle to fit something new in because you have those three different ancestral genomes. And anytime you try to get one thing to work in it, you'll ultimately have another section of that gene in a different part of that genome just turn on and it might be less efficient. So you might've made your selection based off that, but it's still gonna uh, have this other thing that takes a lot of the, takes a lot of the resources away from the things that you're trying to get it to produce. So well, I think that's very interesting, as a matter of fact, uh, and I think it sounds like something that is probably happening all across the food supply that you're really focused on it as a, you know, supplement and nutrient supplier for your, for the patients that use this, this material, but I think it must be happening across all, all vegetables, right? So whether there's a sacrifice for efficiency uh, that's done by a mass producing, you know, entity, and then if you really want to extract the nutrients, I mean, this is the exact message that organic and whole foods type supplements have is that, you know, you're taking the nutrients from the ground. Sometimes you need supplements because you're not getting enough of them. And so you mentioned oats. Now, what is that? Have you identified uh, a specific strain that you're really working to uh, grow that profile on? Or is yeah, there anything coming forward that we should know? Of? This, this has been an effort that we've really, really pushed for in uh, the mm -hmm. past uh, the past four years since I've been here. We've been targeting oats as a as an area that we mm -hmm. can make a very big impact in. It's something we grow well in mm -hmm. Wisconsin. Um, that's one of our big limitations at Standard Process. Our farm is in Wisconsin. We can grow things that work in the uh, short growing season that we have there. And uh, um, one of the one of the crops that does pretty well for us is oats. And um, we we looked at um, we looked at a huge variety set of oats. And uh, I was talking about that, that complex, complicated genome. That, that's part of what you would call the modern, the common oat that creates that complex genome. Mm -hmm. However, there are simpler genome oats. So these different species of oats that are going to be something as simple as what we call a diploid. A diploid's just mm -hmm. one copy uh, of the chromosomes. And that makes them a lot easier to work with, potentially more nimble from an environmental standpoint in certain, certain instances. But um, we were able to take some of these ancient, uh, we call them landraces. So these are going to be those, those 
those unique varieties created in nature that exist and find them that express a lot of the nutrient profile of what we're looking for. And for this, the, we, we call them the ancient oats. So there really hasn't been an ancient oat for, you'll hear about ancient wheats like Kamut or um, mm-hmm. other ancient grains. People talk about quinoa a lot. Um, but then bringing in something like an ancient oat is a very unique aspect. So these oats fell out of favor in about the late 1800s. They used to be used as forage oats. They grow pretty well. They grow really tall. They grow tiny grains in comparison to regular common oats. There's, they're still similar in total size, but you're, you're talking about maybe, uh, about 40 to 50% of the grain size. And uh, these ones we've we've looked at for a while now. These these are very unique because they have a significantly higher amount of protein. So your protein content in them can go uh, from your your common oats going to be anywhere from about eleven to fourteen percent for for pretty nice protein on your oat. This this one's uppers of about nineteen and a half twenty percent. And then things like your um, essential nutrients across the board are higher. Almost mm-hmm. all of the essential nutrients, minerals and uh, vitamins, all significantly higher in, in this base of oat. So you can, and, and why I love oats and from a supplement perspective is people can eat a lot of oats. <laughs> you can have big serving sizes of oats. So they're really, they're really a cool product that you can work with, but we're looking at a number of different ways that we can implement these and start introducing them into the product line. And, uh, uh, we have a lot of things on the horizon trying to utilize the, these oats that were historically used quite frequently for, for consumption, but they just fell out of favor once you had that more productive modern oat variety. But from a yield perspective, I mean, that, that's one of the difficult things here is you're, when, when you're dealing with this at scale, you have to, you have to consider that you're going to get 50% of the yield that you would get for these oats. So what might've taken you only 20 acres to grow. Now we're having to commit 40 acres to that. Right. And, that and that's a difficult thing when you're, when you're talking about groups that are trying to produce large amounts for the markets that have really, really chased these lower and lower, um, lower and lower and lower price points because they're trying to sell at bigger and bigger scale and trying to continue to push that consolidation of the market to just a few groups. And then those groups are the the main purchasers and buyers. But for us controlling the vertical integration here, and to this point, us also trying to get to the level where we are taking ownership on on the seed end and we're playing a big role in in that side of the seeds, that's... um, taking a lot of that, it, it moves that risk point for us at, at standard process into a way that we do have access to the development of these key seeds and we have mm-hmm. the ability to produce them. And we're not at risk of all of a sudden just being like, no, we're not going to grow those anymore. Those aren't available. This is something that we then can use going forward. But it's very unique switching to these varieties. We're really excited about all the potential that they're going to have for a number of different products. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So it's really farm to plate at this point, right? So you guys are, of course, taking on higher margins associated with the growth of these nutrient-rich uh, oats and maybe even buckwheat, I think you mentioned. Oh, sorry, so what, what, what do you mean by higher margins? Well, I mean, there's a, 
there are more margin like financial margins behind the investment as you know with the acreage more acreage to create a less oh uh, oh robust um, yield yeah so just well so for us and and, and sorry i'll i'll, I'll let, you, let you jump back i, I should well i was just trying to figure out how did that work into the actual and mm-hmm. supplement for example i know they had a pediatric gummy uh supplement that they were that that has been released recently right oh the chewable so, the chewable yeah sure so how does that work into the you know into what goes there i mean i know this is a huge process that you guys use in order to make these things happen uh, yeah so could you tell us a bit about that how does that translate into like say something that's more mm-hmm. you know bioavailable for the for the patient that may be taking it maybe it's not a pediatric gummies maybe it's <laughs> so um yeah, as far as as far as trying to work with something that maybe yields at a different at a different rate, so th- these are harder to grow. Um, the the scale that that at this point that we're producing these at really allows us that opportunity to try to instead of changing what a lot of our targets might be to what other groups' targets might be. So the another group's target might be more so just. Pounds of material, pounds of material. For us, what becomes important is the the dose of what we're delivering is, is a really important thing. So while it might actually um, be less yield on that basis, the potency of what we're delivering from the active. So all of a sudden, we can go from having to suggest a person uh, take three 30-gram scoops a day. You can try to then bring something like that down to one 12-gram scoop a day in order to get that same active. Uh, so we can, by making it more potent, make more some more potent products. And looking at the plant end of that, that plant supply, that's something that's very unique to us having that vertical integration that we have that we can target it at that spot. Um, and then product selection is, is like you're saying, super important. And we have um, uh, this new children's chewable supplement that we're very excited about. Um, and that pairs a lot of these key ingredients um, that, that we're sourcing, certain things that we can't grow with uh, something like uh, something like the beets that we grow on our standard process farm that we know deliver nutrients in a nice way and we grow them pretty well. So we like to, we like to use those where we can. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Jacqueline, what do you think? Of, do well, you have it, any it sounds you like you guys are so far in the weeds there. I wanted to bring it back up in the global view because you're getting too deep for all of us, but I wanted to make sure because as a broad overview, I was thinking, you know, um, Dr. Bustler, it's Dr. Right. Weston. Um, I wanted to find out with, this is the first time we actually get to talk with anybody from the nutrition innovation center, which we all refer to lovingly as the Nick. Yeah. And, so um, I, if you wanted to give us just a quick background, because I don't know if many of our listeners even uh, probably it, it's been so recent since its establishment, how long you've been around and the global view over that as well with its relation to standard process. You know, I mean, is it um, testing efficacy of existing product lines or is it mostly for new product development or a little bit of both? Yeah. Uh, so the, the Nick opened in, uh, Kannapolis, North Carolina in 2018. So that, that's, that's when we initially opened the doors down here. Mm-hmm. And so I guess we're, well, we're going to be going, coming up on five years here pretty soon, but, um, the goal f- of this facility is to, um, 
utilize a lot of uh, a lot of the benefits on being on this campus uh, or access to a lot of partnerships with universities and uh, different areas and researchers to try to um, look both at what's made a lot of these standard process products very effective uh, mm-hmm. to this point. Um, learn a lot more about those mechanisms, figure out ways that we can continue to add and advance the, the evidence behind that, uh, figure out ways that we can, uh, in, in, in certain cases, make those beneficial tweaks, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, pair that ultimately with new product development and looking at ways that uh, standard process can continue to make those important advancements that they've been making for 90 years uh, and keep responding to the changing environments and new technologies and utilize those. So it's been a really good way to partner uh, and balance and drive a lot of this new research that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, when you talk about the crops you guys have and everything, I'm thinking uh, about everything you know, as a consumer, we're so fearful now about the GMO food and everything is GMO anymore. So to get to talk with somebody who actually is so close with the farm, the seeds, the product, you know, like we're, I'm just happy to know somebody who's actually still got the non-GMO version of anything, you know, I mean, to me, it seems like anybody uh, has to use a supplement anymore with their diet because all the majority of the food that we're all interacting with and the products we're using are deficient. So yeah, it kind of is, it's very eye-opening for us. And we're glad to have you guys there in the research end too, to make sure and kind of know that what we're getting, you know, it it sounds to me as I'm listening to you talk about it, that they're designer supplements that you guys, you know, like a lot of people will think, oh, just take this, take that, take a multi, this and that. But to me, I mean, over all the years I've studied on this too, is you want to make sure that you're working with people who've got, you know, working with authentic, um, whole food, it's definitely the best way to go if you can do it that way and people who are researching what they're doing. So it's it's honored that we get to work with you. (laughs) So it's a, it's a unique spot. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to, um, overshadow, uh, the crops are one piece that we look at here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of additional things that that we try to make sure that we're researching and uh, figuring out how we can use a lot of these key beneficial ingredients and continue to be very very driven by a lot of these these big advancements. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, th- I think when you when you're dealing with a, a very rich history of products, it, uh, it is a it is a very unique. Uh, set up because we do have a lot of these things that we've heard for years and years and years about how these work for me. These can be life-changing in order to, uh, these have been life-changing additions for me and uh, taking that uh, and making sure that we take all that into account as we look at a lot of these products and figure out, okay, so here's what we're saying. Sometimes we'll, we'll hear things about how, how the field winds up Mm-hmm. learning about things and fi- things that they've figured out in the field and trying to apply that there. Um, so we have uh, done things like that in order to initiate certain studies uh, and try to deliver a clinical study based around uh, ways that things are being used on the market and try to learn more and more about that. Uh, so that's been one really, really unique aspect. Um, 
from uh, from the breeding side of things, um, as far as what you're referring to, the so a lot of the work that we're doing from this this very traditional breeding sense uh, essentially comes down to uh, figuring out which parents to to have uh, the plants use as that base. So the, those two parent bases and and a lot of the work that we're doing now hasn't really been applied applied as regularly to that um, specific growth techniques that that we like to use and the ones that uh, standard process prefers using. Mm-hmm. So that would be trying to make sure that, um, like I was talking early about some of those very, very uh, difficult challenges with weed pressure and things, and also the Wisconsin environment. And I don't know if everybody's noticed this year, but it's just been a very darn hot year. So making sure that you have plants that can uh, survive in a lot of that extreme heat and still thrive, like we need things that are going to be able to continue to respond to uh, respond to any kind of environmental stimuli that that they can right. come come up to and still deliver that nutrient punch and that pack that delivery that we're, we're looking for in these products and the ones that our customers really, really deserve. So we're going to continue to try to, to do this. And, you know, sometimes it's a plant solution. Sometimes it's a technology solution as far as how we process the plants. So Mm -hmm. things that new machines that we can bring in trying to, trying to deliver, um, variety are trying to deliver more and better, uh, Mm -hmm. products that way. And, you know, keep up like standard process. Uh, uh, we see the power of these supplements and we don't we don't want to stop uh, the availability for them. We want we want to be able to continue to expand and meet that growing uh, that growing need that people have since our population. I mean, what, 50 percent of individuals now have some sort of uh, longstanding condition. You're talking about growing amounts of people that are dealing with very difficult issues. Right. Well, and then now going back to even that pediatric product you had, I was curious if any of that coming out now is a result even from COVID, from this overwhelming fear, uh, you know, or if that was just something that was already uh, in the works anyway. Is um, it kind of by popular demand? Well, so it, it's interesting. The um, uh, the way a lot of the supplement market moves, it, 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 can, it can start chasing things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the, the past two years, uh, trying to maintain, uh, immune health and immune support has been top of mind and a very key issue for, for individuals. And we wanted to make sure that we had a very strong children's product that was going to come out in time for back to school season. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about doing this for a very long time, uh, trying to look at a way that we can deliver a lot of these nutrients that we know people aren't getting enough of in the diet. So I can't get my kids to eat vegetables anymore. (laughs) And that's, and that's a significant challenge. Um, It's, it's really, I have, um, I have two kids. I have one more on the way and uh, trying to find something from a format perspective that works for kids Mm-hmm. from a flavor perspective is something that they can tolerate and it's mm-hmm. something that they don't get tired of right away. That, that is a development challenge for a product, especially when you're trying to do it with some limitations around what ingredients you use. Yeah. Weston, I, I don't think Weston, I don't think that Jacqueline's kids necessarily get tired of the way she prepares her vegetables. <laughs> 
It's a joke, Weston. It's a joke. No, <laughs> only kidding. But um, so, yes, I have the same struggle, right? So, Weston, we're just about out of time. Any final words for the listeners? Uh, any new things they should be looking for on behalf of standard process coming forward? Anything that you think they should know as a healthcare practitioner trying to provide the highest support for their patients? Well, definitely um, the standard process, we're continuing to innovate and we're continuing to, to push the bounds. Um, and we're going to keep keep coming out with these very innovative new, uh, new products. And one of the things that we're really excited about, I mean, myself from the, the farm end is, uh, we now have our, uh, farm grown hemp that we're going to be, uh, that we're going to be launching very soon, um, is as a way that we can continue to deliver that SP farm into, into our products that, um, our practitioners are very, uh, very, we're very thankful that they love uh, utilizing and uh, using with their patients. Um, but additionally, uh, trying to u- utilize things like uh, the microbiome test kits and pairing a lot of these uh, more advanced technologies and okay. pairing those with product selection and trying to learn as much as we can about that. And we're really adding a lot of new studies and um, we're, we have many going in the background and continuing to try to work with practitioners such as yourself um, to study our products, figure out ways that we can use them and, and continue to add that evidence. So um, that, that would be the biggest thing that we've been really trying to push since we opened the Nutrition Innovation Center. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you for, for your time, Jacqueline. Anything that you wanted to add? I hope to meet you one of these days, Dr. Buster, and live. So, mm-hmm. Jacqueline, anything else that well, you'd like just to ask? Well, just to keep draw, you know, drawing everyone's attention, if you want to look at the basics on it, it's in the latest issue of the American Chiropractor in the September issue coming up. So, uh, we definitely look forward and thank always Standard Process and you guys over at the NIC there for helping to keep us all in optimal health. And at the top of our game and uh, keep looking forward and, and backwards <laughs> studying all the genome issues we've got to be looking out for. <laughs> exactly. well, thanks, everybody. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. Bye.